0: Welcome to BBC's Weekly Podcast. We hope you'll be inspired, challenged and encouraged by this week's speaker. For previous messages, go to our website at ballonvineyard.org or subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud. Sad, but we're coming to the end of our series on the Kingdom of God. It has been going on for quite a while, uh, and this week and next week, next week we are coming down to land. And um, if you were here three weeks ago, I was talking about the mystery of the kingdom and just what happens when people aren't healed. Why are some people not healed? And so, if you haven't heard it, then feel free to go and listen to the podcast, which is on the website. And But I just kind of wanted, one of the phrases I used in that talk was this phrase about the now and the not yet of the kingdom. And it's often a phrase that we talk about in the vineyard. And last time, I particularly talked about the not yet of the kingdom, sort of why things don't happen right now. But today, I wanted to spend a bit more time just looking at how to increase in the now of the kingdom. So how do we, you know, when we say in the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, like how can we see more of that now? And in particular, in relation to healing. So that's the kind of broad direction that we're going in tonight. And I I think, first of all, we have to start with the correct theology. And again, I talked about this three weeks ago, that God is good all the time. God is good. That's our starting point. He always wants to heal. He is always good. And that's, that's where we start. But I also want to give you a few sort of top tips, as it were, in how to increase in healing and how to see what I, what I see happening in the scriptures and sort of through different things that I've seen um, in my experience. So there are two areas that I want to talk to you today about, and each of them has probably several sermons in them. So I apologize for not being able to go into great depths, but we just, this is where we start. So we're going to launch into it. And the two things I want to talk about are confession and forgiveness. So let's start reading from James chapter 5, and it's verse 16. Hopefully the words will come up. And it simply says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So this seems to quite simply say that there's a correlation between confession and healing. And it's both on behalf of the prayer er prayer. And the person receiving healing, and I think conviction—it's—it's it's like it's built into our conscience, is it, isn't it, to let us know when we've done something wrong, or anything that sort of threatens our connection with God. It's a bit like, you know, the warning light that comes on on your car, and it's kind of to get your attention before your car engine blows up. It's not anything dangerous in and of itself, but it kind of is a warning light there for you. And conviction's a little bit like that, isn't it? Where God—it's God's way of letting us know that something needs attention. And we don't often talk about confession, do we? I think maybe if you're brought up in a in a Catholic church, you might be used to the sort of uh, the confession booths or the, the the principle of confession a bit more. But generally speaking, we don't talk about this a lot. But yet, it's such a powerful part of our faith. I remember a time when I was quite a bit younger when I was doing something that I knew was wrong, and to be honest, it was like it was eating me up inside. And nobody knew about it. I wasn't talking to anybody about it. It was completely hidden. And I remember at the time reading um, Psalm 32. And these words are going to come up on the screen. And it literally says, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity i said i will com- i will confess my transgressions to the lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin and i and i felt after reading that i i kind of thought yes that's me i feel like i'm wasting away inside and i made the decision after reading that psalm to confess what i was doing to someone and to god and Then, obviously, I still had to work through the consequences of what I'd done. But I cannot tell you the relief that this act of confession had on my mental state, on my physical body, just on all areas of my life. I cannot tell you the difference that that confession made. And our physical beings, they're connected, aren't they, to our mental states. John 1, verse 9, it tells us, "...if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That's that's what the gospel's all about. Like, there's no kind of, if you confess your sins, you're going to get a big, fat wallop. It's like, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you all your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And if, if we have all this stuff, if it's lingering around in our lives, it's just not doing us any good there would be different times when jesus would say to somebody your sins are forgiven before he said to them rise up and walk and it's almost like in other words he he forgave them and by doing that he opened them up to be able, to be able to be healed And so the second part of the James verse, a couple of ones ago, it says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Who here wants their prayers to be powerful and effective? I want my prayers to be powerful and effective. Like I want to have effective prayers. I want ones that are actually going to work. And I don't want anything to come between me and God. I want to have clean hands and a pure heart. So let's confess our sins. Let's get real with each other. And <laughs> I said this this morning and slightly regretted it, so I'm going to say it again. Um, I <laughs> said that it's a little bit like having a colonic. Now, I haven't had one. We were talking about this on, on Thursday, and there was all sorts of stories coming out, but apparently it's like flushing, flushing your system out. And <laughs> I don't know. I, I made this up, so it might be completely irreligious. But um, confession, it's like having a complete clear out. Let's have a complete clear out. Let's confess our sins. Let's receive God's forgiveness. And then we stand in complete righteousness. And then we are powerful prayers. I... Um, I have a bit of an obsession with, with bindweed. Um, I don't know if there's any gardeners here. Any keen gardeners? Anna, very good. Uh, does anyone know what bindweed is? Great. Well, I have a slide. You'd be very pleased to know. So I hate the way that it winds its way round healthy plants and slowly sucks the life out of it. And I, I virtually have to check my garden every single day because it grows so quickly, so fast, and it's so innocuous. And, and the, flower, you know, the leaves almost, they look quite pretty. They're, they're not in and of themselves ugly or anything like that. But you just have to watch it because it grows. like It's mental, and it just like winds its way around all the healthy plants. It Really, it's nasty. And I, I spotted, this is our sunflower growing in our garden, and I spotted this on Friday, and um, you, I, I don't know actually whether you can see it. You can see it. it. It's got this bindweed starting to grow around it. And so as I disentangled it and I pulled it out, um, you, and the next side you can see how long the root is. So that white bit at the bottom, that's how long the root is. So it goes down really deep. It's really difficult to get the roots out and as I was, as I was taking this out in the garden and thinking about this talk, I just felt like God was saying that bindweed is like sin, and it can even look pretty, it can look pretty innocuous, it can seem like it's oh, it's growing, look at my garden, it has got lots of leaves in it, but it's what it slowly does is it entangles round us and strangles the life out of us. And I was reminded of Hebrews twelve verse one, which it says. I think we've got a slide, possibly. So it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. And so God doesn't want to remove sin from our lives. For his benefit necessarily he wants it gone because it will slowly strangle the life out of us even if it looks pretty now so that's confession that's like the one that that's kind of sort of a big blockage and it says confess your sins to one another so that you might be healed the other one is forgiveness and this is so at the heart of the christian faith isn't it this is what separates christianity from everything else the fact that we're forgiven And we are are mandated to forgive because we've been forgiven so much. And I'm not for one minute suggesting this is an easy thing. This is really not easy. But the the scriptures are quite brutal about this. So let's read from Matthew 6. And it says, uh, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. Quite harsh. But I think, again, that this is actually going to lead us to freedom. This is why Jesus commands it, not because he wants this to be a, a burdensome thing or a, like a really heavy thing, but it's so that it brings us into greater freedom. If there's someone that we're holding grudges against or if we're bitter towards, we, need to, we have to get rid of that hurt and bitterness from our hearts. And if somebody's wronged you and you still think about they're wrong whenever you think of them, then it's probably time to give those feelings to God and leave them there. You need to, it's like we need to release the hurt that they've caused us. Because unforgiveness can come between you and from God, uh, and God and prevent your own sins from being forgiven. And then this gives a, the enemy a foothold to bring trouble on your life. A, f- a few years ago, I discovered that I had a lump in my breast. And I'd noticed it over a couple of months. And I was a bit scared about going to the doctors, probably thought that I should, but I didn't. And um, kept meaning to make an appointment, but kept putting it off. And then there was one night where Steve and I had just been watching a whole load of healing videos, as you do in the rock and roll lifestyle. <laughs> Friday, and, <laughs> Friday night, healing night. And um, I, we'd just been really impacted by some of the, the stories of healing that we'd seen, really impacted by some of the um, just the incredible promises that Jesus makes and the, and the dramatic scenes that there are. And so we decided to practice on me. And so we just started to started praying for this lump, and we went through a process of um, of confession and forgiveness, basically. So we started just confessing anything we could think about. We started repenting to each other. We started forgiving each other for things that we'd said or done. We started forgiving anybody of anything we could ever think of, and it took quite a while. And um, (laughs) and then it was Steve's turn. Um, And then, you know, we started speaking to the lump as though it was a mountain to be thrown into the sea. All sorts of things like this. And I, I am not joking that after a few minutes, it started to shrink. And after about 15 minutes, it had completely disappeared. It wasn't there. It wasn't there. It's amazing. And who knows what the key was? Who knows whether that was faith, whether it was confession, whether it was forgiveness? I've got no idea. I've got no idea... Whether it was cancerous, I've got no idea. But all I know, it was there, and then it wasn't. And we've seen it time and time again at Healing on the Streets as well, where the link between forgiveness and healing is just undeniable. We we had this lady that... um, she was, she was born sort of with chronic pain. She'd been born with scoliosis and she had travelled all across the world trying to find healing. She'd gone to India, she'd gone e- everywhere. And she'd then come across some YouTube clips where she'd seen people praying for healing on the streets. And so she kind of almost Googled her local one. And she came to us um, in Ballam a few months ago. Um, we were outside Sainsbury at the time and as we as we just listened to her story and some of the traumas that she'd experienced, she'd had a traumatic life, and we just gently asked her if she felt like she needed to forgive anyone there was no there was no judgment there at all, but it was just like this invitation we just felt to ask her about uh, if there was anyone she needed to forgive and at this point said she, sh- she said she did she said that um there was one person in particular that she needed to forgive, but also she really felt she needed to forgive herself. She was just holding a lot against herself. And so we just gently led her in a prayer of forgiveness. I don't actually know whether she knew God or not. I've no idea. We didn't really even get to that part. But she just felt like we were just like, let's just, should we just forgive that person? Should we just forgive yourself? And we just led her in this prayer of forgiveness. And there were significant changes in her pain level as she released that forgiveness. She felt freer than she ever had. And the pain level had dramatically reduced. So the bottom line is God designed us in a way that we should not hold on to grudges and bitterness towards others. And when we, when we do this, we pay a price. Not on, only in our emotional or spiritual health, but in our physical health sometimes too. And God wants us to be free. I think too often we think of ourselves as separate parts, you know, our minds, our bodies, our spirits. But in the Bible and and in experiences of people who've been through some real traumas, healing, it just can't be separated neatly into parts. And more and more scientific evidence is sort of catching up to this, where um, the understanding of a human as a whole body and how body, mind and spirit are all connected and, and confession of sin before God and other people can then provide access to the healing power of forgiveness. And then experiencing forgiveness can then open up a pathway for healing. And it flows from God to us and then through other people to, to the world around us as well. And whether it's your own personal healing or the healing of others, forgiveness is the way that we most deeply, most gently and compassionately become human, as God intended us to be. I think forgiveness is the form that love takes in a world where people sin against one another. Without forgiveness, love, it just has limits, doesn't it? But forgiveness is what opens doors, and even those that have been closed by deep hurt and injustice and pain, forgiveness opens those doors. Forgiveness is about letting go. It's about accepting what cannot be changed. It's about adjusting my expectations of others so that I don't continue to resent them. It's about taking charge of my life and making a decision for myself, not based on other people, not based on somebody else's behavior towards me. It's about recovering my dignity or finding myself in the new situation that my life has become. It's about changing a broken relationship with someone, whether I renew it or I let it go and move on. And right smack in the middle of the Lord's Prayer, it says, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Jesus, he, he often sort of seems, he, well, he always does this, where he, he sort of pairs up our forgiveness of sins with our forgiving others. And I think growing up, I used to think that it was a way of guilting us. A bit like um, Jesus kind of say, hey, I died for you and you can't even be nice to your sister. And, you know, so, so God can try and get us to do the right thing if he can just make us feel really bad about how much we owe God. But that's not the God that we see in Jesus. It's not the God we see in Jesus. Sounds more like a manipulative parent. But forgiveness is such a big deal to Jesus. He talks about it all the time. And sometimes I think we can think forgiveness is just like being a doormat. And it lets people get away with things. But again, keeping the premise that God is good all the time, it has to be that forgiveness is actually good for us. Nelson Mandela, obviously he'd been through such a traumatic time, we had every right to be resentful towards other people. But he famously said, Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Drinking poison yourself and expecting that other person to die. And I think when we're we're sinned against, when someone does us harm, we're in some way linked to that sin, linked to that mistreatment like a chain. And our anger or our fear or our resentment, it doesn't free us at all. It just keeps us chained. So what if forgiveness, instead of being a doormat, is, is, is actually a way of wielding bolt cutters and snapping the chain that links us. So, if there are obstacles or blocks to the healing power of Jesus, let's get rid of them. Let's get rid of them. And, and for some of us, I, I totally understand there are major traumatic issues or relationships where we've been so badly treated, where forgiveness issues are really obvious. And then there's others of us where it's just a lot more subtle. We don't actually almost realise that we're carrying unforgiveness towards people sometimes. And we're going to have a time as we take communion in a while to just to ask Jesus, is there anyone I need to forgive? And I, didn't, I purposely didn't want to do a long talk today because I wanted to give us a time to respond, to almost have a bit of a clear out um, before we take communion. So, um... We love a bit of awkward here, so we're going to have a bit of silence in a minute, and I I want to just all of us to take a minute and just ask God to examine our hearts. There's a there's a Psalm in 100, uh, Psalm 139, and it says, "Search me, God, and know my heart; test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way of everlasting." So why don't you just almost pray that to God, ask that to God, like, God, is there any offensive way in me? Is there anything I need to confess? Is there anything that I've done wrong? And then after having that slide up for a couple of minutes, I'm going to just put up a a prayer of confession. And it might be that you have your own words to say to God, or it might be that you want to use the words that are up on the screen. But we're just going to take a few minutes just to to literally come before God and just say search me God is there any offensive way in me and then we're going to move on to forgiveness So the next slide is going to come up if you want to use this as a prayer or say your own words. Thank you, Father, that when we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank you that we can just be completely free from our sins, that as far as the east is from the west, so far you remove our transgressions from us. Thank you that you see us as completely righteous in front of you. So while we're in this time, let's, let's just ask, ask Jesus if there's anyone that we need to forgive. And I, I believe forgiveness starts with a choice. And your feelings may take a while to catch up with the choice but the choice comes first choice is the first step so let's just ask Jesus is there anyone that I need to forgive today? it might be yourself it might be someone that's just popped into your mind And if anyone has come to your mind then I'm just going to almost pray some phrases and then if you insert the name of the person that you want to forgive and then you insert the offences that you want to forgive them for. So I choose to forgive you. I choose to forgive you for. When I cancel the debt and release you from my judgment, I release blessings on you instead. Now, you, you may need to continue to do this every day until your feelings catch up with your words. This just might be the start of your forgiveness journey. It may be that you need some help doing this as well and you want to share this with someone else and help have someone else sort of walk through this process with you. And sort of after, after communion, there'll be time for you to, to come forward and we can stand with you, we can partner with you. But we're going to take communion and, and, the, and communion is just a reminder of what Jesus did in the past. It's a symbol of our present relationship with him and it's a promise of what he's going to do in the future. And communion is so effective. It does something. And this might be strange to some people. We, we understand how we do something. We take the bread and we break it and the cup and we drink it. But what God does here is he comes and meets with us. We have a a sort of a moment almost where we touch eternity. And here, God gives love, He gives forgiveness, He gives acceptance, and we receive it. We're meeting, we meet with God here. I heard a a story of a a couple that are friends of ours, and the wife was diagnosed with, uh, had been diagnosed with terminal cancer. And one of the things, again, amongst other things, was that they decided every day to take communion together. And I got their newsletter a few weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago. And she said she'd basically got the results back of a second in-depth blood test. And she had no signs of cancer detectable in her body. Again, who knows what that is? But there's power in the blood of Jesus. So when we come and we take the bread and we drink the wine, let's remember what Jesus has done for us. Let's remember the price he's paid to save us. And the price is paid just for us to be healed. And I'm just going to read from Luke 26. And it says, as they ate, Jesus took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to his disciples. He said to them, this is my body, eat it. And then taking the cup of wine and giving praises to the Father, he entered into covenant with them, saying, this is my blood. Each of you must drink it in fulfillment of the covenant. For this is the blood that seals the new covenant. It will be poured out for many for the complete forgiveness of sins. The next time we drink this, I will be with you and we will drink it together with a new understanding in the kingdom realm of my father. So we're going to have the people serving communion up here. Um, And when you're ready, maybe if we have the worship band back up as well literally here we rip the bread and then we dip it in the juice and just just take this moment to be thankful to god for all that he's done for you we remember what he's done but just let's take this moment just to come with real thankfulness with to him this morning it this evening thank you for listening to this week's podcast Tune in next week for another life-giving message from one of our BBC speakers.